Hello and welcome everyone to another market commentary from Stashaway. With me, of course, our investment team, Freddie Lim and Stephanie Long. How are you both? Hey, Philip. Good to see you. Good to see you all. Yes, good to see everyone back together here. Um, hey, two weeks it's been since we last spoke, the three of us uh, on the air. And um, obviously, there's a lot of developments. We've been, you know, we talked a lot about the China Evergrande um, saga in the last um, couple shows. Um, on this one, I want to start off with a little bit of a different uh, situation, and that's this whole energy crisis. And I think I, I want to get your take on, on, on especially on, on, on what's happening in China. But I can also tell you, I've been now spent, I've been now a week and a half almost back in Europe, and uh, you know, meeting my parents and you know, friends of my parents over the last few days, and everyone is like you know, oh, we need to buy oil for the winter time still. And, you know, prices are outrageously high. Is the government going to do something about it? So it's a really tough topic here. I think the first gas station in Germany um, now uh, is charging your petrol for, 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 the, for the car is over two euros, which is like this mark that I, I don't think it has ever been crossed or it's like it's been crossed like many, many years ago, but it, this is a very like a psychological mark for the average consumer, right? Um, driving to work. So maybe um, Stephanie to start off with, um, are we heading into an energy crisis at the moment, right? It's not just China, but uh, specifically to China first, uh, because that's obviously um, one of the big um, examples that you see all over the news right now. Yeah, never a dull moment, no. right? And there's always headlines <laughs> coming out from China, <laughs> being a big country. Um, so I, I think it's um, let's let's take a look at what happened, right? Why why are we suddenly facing a, a so-called energy crisis? It all basically started a few months ago when I mean China was actually going through a drier summer, and as you know, I mean China still has sixty uh, percent of energy uh, sources coming from coal, and the second biggest energy source is actually hydro. So with a dry summer, then China doesn't have enough energy and also combined with uh, supply chain disruptions. Uh, Indonesian coal, in, 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 for example, was in short supply. And I mean, that has led to a cyclical shortage in, in terms of um, energy sources in China, where they have to go to just uh, to international markets to secure not just coal, but also coal replacements, uh, which is gas, right? And Think, I mean, taking a step back, thinking about some of the structural reasons of why um, we, we, we have this kind of energy uh, problem is because China is still try, is also trying to meet uh, some of a very, very ambitious goal in terms of reducing carbon emission. Namely, they're trying to become carbon neutral by 2060. And to do that, they have been decreasing use of coal and increasing LNG usage. Um, for example, Right now, actually, China has more than double the LNG usage. And right now, China is actually the biggest global importer of LNG. Now, the other big importer of LNGs include uh, Japan, India, and of course, Europe. So that's why uh, throughout the summer, Europe hasn't been able to stock up uh, the, uh, the gas uh, for winter. And right now, we're heading into the winter. And of course, the market uh, is worried about the uncertainty of what, uh, how cold we're going to get in the winter. And whenever there's uncertainty, then, I mean, of course, you see price movements. And I think that's largely what has happened. Well, um, I, I apologize first to user if there's any background noise. Somebody's drilling and it's a bit random. 
but what I can chime in is that um, there's a piece of good news as well. Even though we do have a tightening of energy supply, uh, but it's not anything anywhere near the 1970s where you have hyperinflation. Um, there's still ample supply capacity in, among the OPEC countries. In fact, their spare capacity is still higher than uh, the pre-COVID level. And the U.S. shell oil producers are ramping up again. Uh, you can see also the effect of these two factors playing out the market expectations for U.S. inflation. Uh, if you look at the U.S. five-year, four, five-year inflation expectation, uh, it's actually around 2.3 percent, uh, fairly, fairly normal, like in the middle of historical ranges. So it seems like the shortages likely to be a short-term phenomenon. Uh, then rather than a protracted one, uh, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but in any case, um, the investment implication is, is clear. Um, as you all know that um, in, in, uh, on 21st, 22nd July this year, we have re-optimized our portfolios as a result of, of inflationary momentum. So, uh, you know, uh, we have already sort of ring fence portfolios through protective assets such as commodity-related equities from Australia, U.S. energy stocks, and even inflation-linked bonds in RISA in the mix as well. Um, so we have done everything we can at the portfolio level to sort of uh, ring fence this inflation momentum here. Oh yeah, great. I think great, great summary from both of you there, um, from a, from a Chinese perspective as well as from a global perspective, Freddie as well. Um, let's continue on then. Obviously, another hotly debated topic over the last few weeks is the Fed and the U.S. markets in general. Right? Uh, we heard that the FOMC made clear that there will be tapering coming later this year. Um, there might also be rate hikes being priced in. Um, Freddie, you want to take that topic and t tell us a little bit about what those implications that have been, you know, tabled mean for the investors? Well, tapering simply means that the Fed is going to buy less uh, bonds per month than before. They're still buying. It's not like they're selling any assets that they have purchased in the past. Um, so the tapering is likely to start from December and uh, will end around middle of next year. Um, and then we have to see what happens to world economies before they can go on to the next phase. If all goes well, the Fed would attempt to try to do uh, two interest rate hikes or, or three interest rate hikes from there. So the market expectations are already in line with those scenarios, uh, pricing in late 2022, some form of rate hike, and into the end of 2023, uh, getting it to 1% from 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 0.125 right now. So it's not a lot of rate hikes that's been really signaled. It's just a bit of a, a control measure against inflation. I think the Fed knows this as well. Supply chain disruption cannot be solved by rate hikes. So I think they know that. It's, it doesn't take a lot of rocket scientists to work that out. So I, at the end of the day, it's not really like a huge market impact, but perhaps returns are going to sort of be less dramatic than what we've seen from from the rebounds of the COVID bottom, uh, but um, towards a more normalized, more average kind of return situation. No, great, Freddie. And what about the um, the government-related headlines, right? So obviously we had last week the debt ceiling um, and things like that. Is this something that's uh, going away now? Um, what about, you know, there's also still this massive stimulus, uh, you know, the infrastructure bill about to happen, right? Uh, any updates on those? 
Um, well, the debt ceiling is really a non-event. It's more like a political circus um, where people use it as a hostage to get get something passed uh, or to barter among themselves. It's a constant annoyance and it always gets raised. Uh, they should altogether forget about the debt ceiling, <laughs> in my personal opinion. Um, so I would uh, I would echo the, the, the stance that is a non-event, um, but it does mean a lot for uh, maybe certain parts of the markets, such as long-dated government bonds, because uh, somebody has to pay for it and future generations have to pay for it, future taxpayers have to pay for it. Um, if, tax, if, if the political environment does not allow the polit politicians to raise taxes quickly, the, then long-term bond supply will be the way to uh, to absorb this 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 information, so in my view, long dated bonds, uh, government bonds, may see higher yields uh, from here. Um, in the case of um, ten year government bonds, I think it's quite easy to say that we may. Uh, let me see. They currently around. Um, I think can test one point eight percent, and thirty year bond is currently around two point one. Uh, not surprised to see them go uh, to try to test two point four. Um, and, and so that is quite, uh, expected, uh, yeah, no, great. Thanks. Thanks for that update on the U S Freddie. Um, let's continue then with Stephanie and the Chinese and Hong Kong markets. Uh, you know, a lot of people are really yelling or questioning it and saying, can it get any worse, um, than it is right now? What's, what, what are your thoughts on that? And, and, you know, given that, how is Stashway positioned, uh, for that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a painful market for the last half year, and I mean, I sympathize with with that as well. Um, the I guess yeah, it just keeps coming, right? We had the tech crackdown. Uh, now it's Evergrande. I think everyone is worried that oh, is Evergrande another Lehman moment? Um, I think it's basically you if if you take a step back of these like very very separate incidents, it's all I think are partially driven by the structural. Um, uh, kind of demand or, or structural need for China to deleverage and to restructure the economy, and also by some of the uh, monetary policies that targets to uh, to smooth out the cyclical uh, economic changes. So, for example, China has been trying to tighten its monetary policy since fourth quarter of last year, and in response to a very very strong post COVID recovery. Now that the, I mean, we've seen the economy slowing down. I mean, Evergrande is, uh, I guess, I'm causing some ripples in the economy. Uh, the next step for China is actually to repeat what they've done in the past, is to loosen monetary policy. Now, the question is, of course, like when they're loosened, uh, we're st starting to see some signs of that. But I mean, it's it's still, I think, in, in, in the troughing kind of phase. But if you take a step back and think about China in a longer time frame, so let's uh, let's take a three, even a three year time frame, because these cycles happen almost like, like a clockwork every three years. China will, will tighten and then will loosen. So actually now is a good time to think about these long-term investments accumulating in Chinese assets. And indeed, if you look at, um, I guess, our favorite asset, KWeb, uh, it has been trying to try to trough uh, in the past two months or so. And it has, I, I think, kind of stopped reacting to some of the bad news coming out. So. These usually are, are signs of, um, of more intermediate term bottoms. And back to the question about systemic risk, because I think that's kind of where a lot of people alluded to in the, in the Lehman comparison. Uh, one good indicator that I like to look at is, um, is the renminbi. And in fact, um, renminbi is very strong, not just against the US dollar, but interestingly, if you look at renminbi versus uh, 
a basket of international currencies is actually the strongest it's been for a few years. So this is not a something that you would see in a in, in a systemic crisis, um, and because that that, that shows that uh, foreign investments are still going into China, uh, and that shows also that China has a very very strong uh, trade uh, uh, balance or trading activity with the trading partners. So despite everything that you see in the news, if you actually look at the data, you look at asset prices. I think you see some sort of stabilization around here. Oh, great. Thank you, Stephanie, so much. Um, and thank you, Freddie, as well. Listeners, if you have any follow-up questions uh, on the topics that were discussed today, feel free to always drop us a note um, under the, the YouTube video or if you email us to support at stashaway.com. The three of us are very, very much happy to, to, to answer those over the next um, few episodes. With that being said, we have a fantastic lineup of webinars over the next few weeks and starting with a webinar for every single region of ours. So if wherever you are, if you're in Singapore, Malaysia, MENA or Hong Kong, on the 20th of October, we have a webinar and joined one with ARK Invest and it's about thematic investing in technology. So again, Wednesday, 20th of October, 8 p.m. Singapore, Malaysia, Hong Kong time. That's also at 4 p.m. MENA time. If you want to sign up for this, there's links in the show notes. You can also find them on our website, on our Eventbrite pages. Um, very, very interesting webinar. Really looking forward to it myself. Um, separately, uh, for each of the different countries, we have um, a couple of webinars. Singapore first up. It's called Growing Your Wealth with SRS Investing. So if you want to make some you know, last minute, just before the end of the year, SRS contributions, please sign up for this. That's on October 26, 7 p.m. local time. For Malaysia, on um, Wednesday, the 20th of October at 6 p.m. local time, we have a webinar called What is Your Financial Plan B? So if you want to learn more about if financial plan A doesn't work out and what you can do about it, um, please attend that webinar. And on the 27th, also in Malaysia, we have something called Stashway, an inside look. It's kind of like an ask me anything where you can really, you know, get to know Stashway a little bit better, ask, ask questions to the leadership team. Um, that's the 27th of October, 6 p.m. local time. And last but not least, in the MENA region, we have also an ask me anything. Um, that's on the 20th of October, 6 p.m. local time. Again, all of those sign-up pages will be in the show notes as well as on our websites. Looking forward to having as many of you as possible. And again, thank you to my other two hosts and uh, we will be with you all shortly. <laughs>